Hey, what's up, guys? It's me, Rex Chatterjee, and you're listening to the Out East Vibes podcast presented by Dune Road Lifestyle. On this episode, we're sitting down with Luke LeBronson of Bravo and Summerhouse fame. But there's a whole lot more to this guy than parties in the Hamptons, and from his pre-med student days to being a solo entrepreneur, we cover it all. Let's dive into it. So, true to form, when we sat down with Luke, he was out by a fire at his lake house in Minnesota. And so, we're going to say this at the top, excuse the uh, crackling you'll hear in the background, it's a legit bonfire happening as Luke is coming to us on the shores of the lake. You'll also hear uh, bits and pieces of him telling his dog to sit down, and uh, well, take a listen. Snapper, oh god damn it, my dog, lay down, lay down. Lay down. Lay down. Lay down. <laughs> he wants me to throw a frisbee. I've been out of the lake in so long because I had a, like I was hosting my yep. friends and um he's all excited and he's he, he just needs to chill. Okay, now he's good. He's mm-hmm. laying down. All right, we're good. Yeah, no man, totally get it. I have uh, a dog myself. He's an adopted uh pit lab mix and he's always getting into uh nonsense. But yeah, I got him from the uh, shelter last year. And I know that you also work with a shelter organization. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I work with 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 Bideway, so um, I do charity work with them. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're the largest no kill non for profit uh, animal shelter and like. Oh, that's awesome, dude! Where are they located? Uh, they're in the city in the Alton Hamptons. Actually. And what got you started working with them? Well, I just you know I try and give back uh, as much as I can, you know, um, with with as many charities as I can, and um, one of the charities that I've been working with is Bideway, and um, I work with them because. I, I just love animals and, um, you know, they, they usually don't have a voice. So I try and do as much as I can for them. And, um, they're just, they're the largest, um, non-for-profit, no kill animal shelter in the tri-state area. And, um, I actually set up a thing this past year with the New York Islanders who I love working with, who are so good to work with and in such a great, um, they have a great owner and a great, or they're a great organization. Um, we set a thing up where we did like a meet and greet with our cast and, um, we set up like, uh, some animals that were up for adoption. They brought some animals there and then, uh, fans got to come and meet and greet all of us and, uh, have some drinks. It was just a great, great, uh, fun time. We watched some hockey. Um, we raised a lot of money and it was just really good. And, um, and I just did some stuff with them now cause they have a gala that they do every mm-hmm. year. Although this year, um, because of COVID, it kind of messed everything up. Um, but we got them uh, some stuff uh, from Andy Cohen from his show and some other really interesting, cool things from the Islanders. They're, I mean, everybody's so giving and so amazing. Um, super thankful. Um, and I, I'm not exactly sure what happened with, with the gala because of COVID. But um, but we, uh, we, um, we do everything we can. At least I try and do everything I can to help out. And, uh, you know, Andy and the Islanders were gracious enough to, to give tickets and some things too. That's awesome, dude. And it's so great to hear when people, you know, who have a platform like yours can use it to, to do good and help out and especially uh, the voiceless, right? Um, animals being, of course, uh, one among them, right? So that's uh, that's an awesome thing that you're doing. By the way, um, I'm hearing like a crackling in the background. Are you like sitting up by a fire right now? Yeah, I'm walking to the... the the uh, wood pile to get more firewoods. <laughs> Dude, that's so classic. I feel like that's how everyone's picturing this going down right now. I'm sitting in, you know, uh, an office and you're <laughs> up by a lake. That's uh, that's sick, man. All right, man. Well, let's start in on something that uh, I know is near and dear to your heart, which is the sport of hockey. Um, up in, you know, northern Minnesota, when did you start playing? I'm sure it was pretty early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, well, when you grow up in northern Minnesota, um, you pretty much put yep. skates on your feet. That's what we do is play hockey. I mean, we're kind of like an extension of Canada, you know? Um, and, uh, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, USA hockey and Canadian hockey have such a big rivalry and, uh, we're like really, really good. And, uh, so we're, it's like, we're USA all the way. So we chirp the Canadians and it's just great. It's a great fun rivalry. I have so many friends that are Canadian that I played with in college and just people even at the rink now, um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> going off track, but anyway, um, we, uh, yeah, I played, um, I was on skate when I was two. My mom had me on the ice when I was two. And then, uh, I was playing organized hockey in our youth program, played through high school, played in college, uh, went to Augsburg. It's a private school, in Minneapolis, uh, transferred to UWS. Um, I ended up getting a really bad concussion in, uh, 
in college and that was that but um i loved it i had a ton of fun with it it was great i made a lot of friends a lot of memories and i mean hockey's my first love so um it was great but i was studying medicine and i played football in college too so yeah (laughs) dude that's intense bro like two sports and pre-med that's that's a lot for for college Uh, let's take those piece by piece let's start off with uh, the hockey bit so you played forward right you played wing uh, yeah, I was the left wing and center. And then growing up, you know, I played defense and stuff too. I used to love defense because I would just light people up at the at the blue line because we used to right. play in peewees. And that was the big thing, just, you know, having a yard sale, just standing someone, someone up at the blue line or giving them a hip check, trying to put them through a glass, you know, when you're a kid. But- That's probably something unique about Minnesota peewee hockey. I mean, I grew up around peewee hockey in New York and, uh, you know, there, there was no hitting in peewee. So that's that Minnesota flavor for sure, huh? <laughs> it's 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 um you know hockey here is um it's a physical game i mean there's so much yeah. skill right but and they, the game has gotten away from the physicality a lot and it's because there's just so much skill and speed in the game um but but up here there is that skill and that speed but there's still so much physicality of it i mean you know separating the guy from the puck is a big part and you know uh, matt niskanen and tj oshi and a lot of those guys are from where i'm from and uh even in the nhl you watch them play and they play with some grit and that's because where they're from yeah speaking of uh hockey greats who are uh, from where you're from i mean very specifically uh in high school you won the the john masich award and uh for those of all you don't know um masich himself hockey legend played for the gophers uh did not go pro uh turned to a career i think in broadcasting but um you know it's from the town of Evelith, which i guess is like the the sister town to, to gilbert where you're from is that right mm-hmm. yeah my dad actually went to gilbert stay here trap sit and my mom went to Eveleth. Um, and then when I was in, God, I don't know, like first or second grade, they ended up consolidating. And uh, yeah, it uh, both had, um, um, both of them uh, had good hockey programs. And um, yeah, I, I mean, when they when they combined, it was kind of a big deal for us here. Um, but uh, I mean, now it's just Eveleth Gilbert. That's the way it is. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. But yeah, it's a, it's a great, great hockey community. Uh, it's a lot of, uh, hardworking, blue collar, very, um, polite, kind, um, hardworking people are from here and you kind of are born with that and the grit and the, you know, nose to the grindstone mentality. Cause everybody works their ass off to have the things they have and to get by here. It's not just like, you know, nothing's ever happened yeah. to you. So that all carries over into the way you play the game. Yeah, no, totally, man. I respect the attitude and like the, the hard work, blue collar nature. I mean, even out in the Hamptons, right? Like, People always see the Hamptons as being this very, you know, billionaire's row, uh, she, she, Richie Rich kind of place. But there's also uh, a strong segment of hardworking blue collar folks that are just native to the area. Um, you know, up until like the, the 70s, 80s, uh, you know, it was definitely a mostly agricultural economy. And, uh, you know, even even nowadays, right, there's still farms out there where people make their living, you know, working the land. Um, it's less, you know, big box farms and it's more folks trying to do craft things like specialized varieties of, of grain and potato and stuff like that and uh but just really cool interesting stuff and um you know it's it's an amazing part of the culture and it's not something that's i guess as well known or as publicized but there really is a strong you know blue collar agricultural working the land kind of aesthetic to the hamptons as well that you know we we do our best to try to support um and bring to light you know that is awesome. That's that's really great. I love hearing that because, um, I mean, as I mean, it sounds like you've researched me a little bit, and you'll know me, get to know me more. But I'm I'm all about like small town, blue collar, like you know, farming, mining, like you know, mom and pop shops, restaurants like that. I, I'm all about supporting that and um, seeing people succeed. I love that stuff. And that's when you were saying that the two different dynamics in the Hamptons, and and one of the things for me was going out there last year was um you know as for the experience with me one of the things that i took away from it was that i really connected with the locals in the sense of just being like you know you get a a stereotype of the hamptons and it's the ritz ritzy glam glamorous life and all that and um and then i realized you know it's not like that there's a lot of mom and pop shops and blue collar people that are there just year round and i'm like shit i want to hang out with the locals and drink beer and fishing you know what i mean yeah, so there's actually an interview you gave uh, a while back that, you know, I looked into and doing some research on you. And uh, you said that, you know, 
New York's great and all, but you you miss the hunting and fishing lifestyle, you know, um, out in Minnesota. And I'm like, wait a second, dude, like there's actually a decent amount of hunting and fishing in New York as well. I mean, you know, upstate, like where I went to college um, up in Ithaca, like deer hunting is a huge, huge thing. But there actually is some deer hunting um, on Long Island, too, even in Montauk, believe it or not. But um, I mean, the main thing is fishing. You know, we don't have um, lake and river fishing the way uh, you guys do quite as much down uh, on Long Island. But uh, ocean, I mean, dude, the tuna fishing, have you ever gone tuna fishing out uh, deep sea in Montauk? No. So I want to, that's definitely something I want to do. I, that's on my list of things I want to do. My friends back home would be so jealous because we fish, like I fish every day, man. I'm like, we're out here catching yeah. walleyes and crappie and Northern and musky and all that shit. And then we can go out in Lake Superior and catch kings right. and stuff like that. And then we go trout fishing and that's fun. But, um, I would love to go tuna fishing. I would love to go deep. Yeah, man. Talk about a, a different sport though. Tuna fishing. I mean, it's you versus this like 500, 550 pound fish. It's angry and pissed off off and trying to reel it in with like rod and reel it's like insane um yeah like totally different experience still fishing but like different 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 level of fishing yeah man. <laughs> yeah i mean something that's fully the opposite direction of intensity is uh well like it depends on how fast you hike but the the hiking out east is you know some of the most scenic and some of the most beautiful i'd say in our country um you know minnesota's a, in terms of size and scale of things it's just a whole nother animal right but heather hill state park in montauk is uh you know pretty beautiful and uh there's definitely a line of people waiting for it uh fourth of july and whatnot have you ever gone uh, hiking out there um, no, you know, I, I didn't spend a lot of time in Montauk. Um, some of the other, uh, crew, some of my, my friends, they, uh, they end up going out there cause they're, they're regulars, you know, and, um, they know people out there. I went out there one time and it was, I went out to a party, um, and it was quite an experience. And I, I mean, I had a lot of fun, um, but I, um, I would like to go out there and go do some hiking and that that's a little bit more up my Yeah, so like that's the thing in doing, you know, more research about you for this podcast interview. Um, you know, I got a greater sense of the real dichotomy or duality um of of who you are, right? So you've got this high flying top fashion model, um, you know, traveling the world, doing photo shoots, appearing on magazine covers, uh person right uh figure really right and then you've got like the the person behind all that who's uh, a guy from minnesota who just like likes doing the the simple but outdoorsy you know fun fun on a dollar kind of things right like fishing hunting going hiking you know nothing has to be too fancy and the the cool thing about the hamptons is you you have both of those segments right you've got like the obviously billionaires row and mansions and and parties and events and stuff like that that happens and you know all the expensive cars and stuff right but you've also got um pretty like blue collar you know workaday type activities that are you know outdoorsy and fun and really resonate with the core of the you know quintessential american experience across the country right and i'm sure that's a part of life in, in minnesota if not um, a big part of it most of it right or being outside and stuff and so it'd be really cool you know 2020 kind of a wash right but you know 2021 something like that next time you're out east and we can all you know do something you know so it'd be fun to just get all you know a bunch of folks together and go take out one of those boats you know get after some uh, big ass tuna and then you know go hiking and uh you know just doing all the uh, fun nature oriented stuff that i'm sure would remind you much more of home than let's say you know a you know champagne field party at some like multi-million dollar mansion not that those aren't fun right but like i feel like that's only one side of the hamptons and and a lot of folks who only get to really access it and learn about it from you know tv shows and stuff kind of miss out on the the more uh regular part of it that's you know more accessible and and honestly pretty fun too I would love that. I mean, honestly, God, if I could get out and do some hiking there and some fishing and, you know, just hang out with the locals, like I said, I, I'd rather sit in a bar with yep. a bunch of locals and tell, tell stories about like fishing and some cool shit like that. And just drink like a local beer instead of going to like a party full of, yeah. know, I don't know, whatever. I just, it's just more my speed, but I don't get drunk. I like going to the party, <laughs> but I just, I, I, I guess for me, I just like the culture and the people of, of when I go to a different place and I like learning it and being around it. And I think it's similar. There's a lot of similarities, like I said, to where I'm from. So for me, um, it's a comfort thing and just hanging out with people. Not for sure. Dude. Uh, have you gone surfing before at ease? 
Uh, I did. Yeah, man. I went out my first time in California in Huntington Beach and the, wa- the waves were two feet overhead getting torn up. Yeah, I was getting my ass kicked by the waves. I, know, um, I wanted to have like a lesson and it's yeah. too dangerous for lessons, but they still gave me a board anyway. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's. Um, and then I was in Florida. This girl I was dating years ago, I was down by the jetty um, and I had a big ass hammerhead come up to me. It was a bit it kind of kind of ruined my my ocean uh i mean like because here i mean i can wait and do shit all day long yeah. and i don't have to worry about it but it, it, it made me feel yep. real small um and like uh, yeah i you know i went yep. to the top of the food chain and uh so it kind of ruined it for me so last year um hannah me and um everybody actually we all went surfing and uh the whole time i was out there I- <laughs> yeah you're probably looking for jaws underneath you <laughs> <laughs> so which sucks because i would love to learn it i i mean i i started wake surfing this summer which yep. was a lot of fun um and i i mean i would love to do it just as a, a i think it would be amazing just to like connect with the ocean and like feel like you know be in in a wave and be able to ride a wave yeah man i mean like surfing is for a lot of people on long island like a big part of the culture but you know one thing i can tell you right and i can't promise you a shark free experience where there's tuna there's great whites and like jaws was fully based on montauk right so yeah man i mean literally the the guy that we had a, like a, a coach out there and he was such a great guy i forget his name now he's a really good dude and uh i'm sitting there and the whole time he's like wheeling around in his flippers like helping people out and i was like man you're behind his <laughs> leg bro I, i'm not <laughs> just kidding no i mean i'm i'm just saying i'm when you grow up with fresh water you just well yeah but i mean like just because there's fresh water doesn't mean there aren't sharks and by sharks i think i mean you in this case you know we heard that as a high school freshman you were asked to senior prom and that like ever since the ninth grade basically you had the entire four years of girls in high school like just hanging all over you right is that is that the truth yeah yeah that's funny no i i, I did get asked to prom by some older <laughs> girls <laughs> um it was funny no but you know what uh it was fun it was an interesting thing i i dated uh when i was young i did date um i did date the hot older girls in, yeah. uh, in school <laughs> it's so funny and uh my hockey buddies loved it um and then uh you know they were all like basketball player girls and stuff and the guys on the basketball team would chirp them and give them a hard time and when you're that age they'd be like oh my god i can't i can't stand so and so he keeps teasing me about you and i'm like whatever <laughs> i don't know what to tell you it's so funny because that's so long ago so long. Yeah. So, I mean, keeping it in high school for a second, you know, we heard from a source that, uh, you know, back in high school, you and your best friend, Ricky, uh, who's now a, a policeman who works in Eveleth, um, that you guys back in the day were complete hellions and used to really get after it uh, without going into too, too much, you know, bad detail. Uh, give us a story, man. What was it? What was it like? Oh, man. I mean, Ricky is my best friend in the world. So we uh, I mean, God, we just, you know, random things man we we had our girlfriends over one time at his parents house and i know his parents were at home and uh we ended up like i mean rick it's hard to explain but ricky's the type of kid that like he doesn't think before he does shit he'll just do it and like the girls were like doing something and he just filled up a five gallon bucket of water and poured it over that one of them's head when they were walking up the stairs and then we had a massive water fight in the house for like three hours uh and i was like dude you just ruined your mom's house and dad's house and we ended up fixing it and cleaning it and everything was fine but uh it was insane no we just did lots of crazy shit man he was in college and when when we'd hang out in college it was just I mean, lots of crazy stories, but you you do that shit when you're yeah. you just have fun, you know. Um, he was actually out here today. I took him out in the boat, and we went cruising around. And he had to go into work, but you know, when you're young, you live and you learn. And uh, yeah, he's he's been my best friend for years, man. We've had a lot of lot of stories from hunting to hockey to women to college to everything. We'll have to get him on the podcast to uh, dish on you then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we've we've had some fun, mm-hmm. me and that guy. He's yeah. something else, man. He's a great guy. And he's a good, he's a, he's a damn good cop too. Yeah. Human being. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, keeping it high school and, uh, you know, small town, Northern Minnesota and stuff like that for this one, uh, we know you played football as well as hockey, uh, but what positions did you play? And, uh, you know, did you play both, um, offense and defense or, uh, I guess you probably had to, right? Yeah. In a, in a small town, um, you're, you kind of play everything, um, so I played wide receiver and, and uh, I was a kick returner and punt returner and I was our kicker and I was on the, I was a, a bullet, a bullet on the punt team. And then on defense, I played cornerback. Um, and then when I got to college, 
they said, Hey man, like, you know, you got to choose what you want to play. And I'm like, well, I want to play everything. And they're like, well, that's not how it works. You're on offense or defense. And I was like, well, shit, I'd rather hit people than get hit. So yep. I play cornerback. <laughs> and then I, I ended up moving to free safety. Yeah. I figured, and I uh, hope you'd say wide receiver. Cause I had to hit you for this question. Vikings fan. I'm assuming who's the better receiver. Randy Moss or Chris Carter? Ooh, Randy Moss, man. I love Chris Carter. God, that's um, listen. I think I think Chris Carter would even say Randy. I mean, listen, like Chris Carter would catch everything thrown to him. Like he was just—he's a first down touchdown machine. Chris Carter was the man. But I mean, Randy Moss was called the Super yeah. Freak for a reason. There isn't anybody that can touch him. Like if Jerry Rice has the records, but I tell you what, man, I'll take Randy Moss over Jerry Rice all. Day. Yeah, I mean, he had like three sixty awareness. Oh, and speed and moves, and he's just. He's actually a genius, yeah. too, with football. He just knows yeah. the game, man. Yeah, he's Randy Moss. And- <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, let's shift gears for uh, this question from the heavy contact of football to a sport that's, uh, you know, perhaps less popular, but, you know, maybe just as interesting, I think. Um, and so the first time that I'd ever heard of Eveleth, Minnesota, and believe it or not, uh, I actually had, right? Um, I was watching a Nat Geo, I think it was, documentary on the sport of curling. And of course, uh, Curl Masabi, which is one of the uh, most preeminent, foremost curling centers in all of America, uh, is actually in your hometown. Is that right? We uh, Yeah, it's in my hometown. It's like, it's the nicest one in, in, yeah. I think, in North America. Yeah, it's apparently huge, right? And like, it's um, also famous because it's the uh, home training center for uh, Tyler George, who was part of the 2018 gold medal winning U.S. men's curling team. So, um, you know, I think you guys know each other, right? And um, have you ever been curling before? No, I know yeah. Tyler very well, and Tyler's a, Tyler's a great guy, man. I used to you talk about me parting with Ricky. Tyler used to like, <laughs> such a nice guy. Um, well, and uh, you know the one thing is I'm really good friends with the coach of the team too, right. Phil Drobnik. Um, he's from my, he's from my hometown, and uh, Phil's a great guy and a good friend. And um, you know his dad ran the curling club in our hometown, and um, when I was a kid, before hockey practice, after school, I would go to the curling club and they had after school curling for kids to learn how to curl. And for mm-hmm. years, I would curl and then I would go to hockey practice. So um, I, I became like really passionate about curling and, and I love it and I still do it um, when I can. If I'm ever home and there's I can get on the, a sheet of ice and, and throw a rock when I'm home, I'll do it. Um, and yeah, curling's just awesome, man. It was so good to see those guys win gold, man. And it was so funny because like I know them so well and I'm so happy for them. And I'm just like, man, we sit and drink beer at the bar, <laughs> you know, and they're like out there winning gold medals. And I was just, I was, I was so happy to see that. And they're really great guys. So it was awesome to see. And especially, you know, just seeing, you know, Northern Minnesota guys uh, winning a gold medal. I was really happy for them. It's, 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 uh, you're always rooting for anybody from this area when they're doing something, um, you know, succeeding in life and things. It, it makes everybody kind of happy and you know and so like curling as a sport is super fun to watch and i think it's actually become like a fan favorite in recent decades right but um in terms of the technicality of it because it's that i think that's hard to pick up you know from watching it on television right the intricacy of it and i know obviously you're not like a pro curler you're a hockey player but you've done it you've got a good insight into things and you're a smart guy if you had to teach me you know how to curl how would you break it down? Well, it's it's surprisingly, you know, you, I wish I could say if you're an athlete, you can do it. Most athletes can, but it's also surprising to see a lot of people that are good athletes get on, on a sheet of ice and, you know, they get on the hack and they try and step out and they're falling all over the place and they can't stand up. You know, it's like learning how to skate. It takes time um, and you have to get used to it. And, and what's surprising about it is um, if you're sweeping um, and you're a sweeper, you – it is an unbelievable workout. You will sweat your ass off and you will pull muscles. Like I pull my groin every yeah. time I have to sweep. It's just the worst. Um, and it's a kick ass workout. Uh, but, but yeah, man, I mean, you literally just, you want to get on that hack. You have your skip on the end directing where, which way wants the rock to curl and you try and get closest to the center. And then you're laying up guards to protect that, to get your points and knock other people out. And it's, it's, it's so fun cause it's strategic and it's also athleticism. And I know it might not look like it on TV, but it really is. And, um, and certain sheets of ice are faster than others. So you have to get the speed and the temperature inside can depict on how fast the rocks are moving. You know what I mean? Um, but it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of strategy. And, you know, it's even more fun when you're having beers, yeah. hanging out with the guys and curling in a box deal. That's what it's all about, yeah. really, you know? So, yeah. So that ice speed thing is actually super interesting, right? Because obviously hockey is played on ice too. And it's, 
I've never really heard that term come up when, you know, folks are discussing hockey, but is that something y'all think about as well? Yep. Yeah, there's there's rinks you'll play on and it'll be warm and it'll be slow ice and it feels like your legs aren't even moving. It's like mm-hmm. you got cement in your skates. Mm-hmm. It's so frustrating because you're moving, but you just feel slow. And there, every hockey player wants to play on fast ice and fast ice is cold ice and cold ice is usually in, in a rink that like there's rinks up here that they don't even have refrigeration systems and they just flood them because it gets right. so cold in the winter. And that's fast ice. Cause it's yeah. just cold in there. Um, and you want to play on fast ice. Nobody wants to be slow. You want to be as fast as you can. Um, I think the NHL has, um, regulations probably even in college too, but I know for sure that the NHL does, I think where that um, the ice has to be a certain temperature, like continuously. Um, yeah, that's super interesting because like, you know, in, in the pro league, you've got clubs in various warm places, right? So you've got, uh, what the stars in Dallas, do the, uh, coyotes still exist in Phoenix? There's still coyotes. You have the Kings, you got the sharks, you got the Panthers, you got yep. the lightning. I mean, you have Carolina. Yeah. And I mean, definitely their environments like outside of peak season can get pretty warm. It's gotta be, it's gotta be crazy to keep that, you know, ice fast, I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean it's 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 all engineering, you know, on how those rinks are made and how things are done, and it's pretty fascinating. I mean, I I don't know as much about it as someone that does it for a living, but I just know it's there's a lot of engineering and science that you know. Speaking of science, we know that you were pre med in college, and I I wanted to touch base on on that and see you know what drove you uh, inspired you to pursue that you know super hard major. Um, I just love I love medicine. I just love learning about in school it was wasn't something i it found me like just through my studies in high school i started to just really draw to um learning about anatomy physiology psychology you know learning about your gi mm-hmm. system um the cardiac system your nervous system and as i'm learning this shit i'm just like this is so interesting to me and just on how everything worked you know from your cells to tissues to ligaments and just how the body is just one big like machine it's like this operating machine and the human body is just absolutely fascinating you know it's just such an intricate cool um thing that can do all these things um that most people aren't even aware of you know um they just live they don't really know exactly what's going on um and if you think about it scientifically what your body is doing what's happening inside your body every day you're living is it's pretty spectacular yeah man i mean to bring it like right home front and center you've got teams of, you know, PhDs in virology, epidemiology, and it's just really humbling to see, like, how much we, how much there is we don't know, um, you know, especially about things like viruses and obviously with COVID. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're only humans, right? We don't know everything. We try and learn as much as we can scientifically, um, but we're, we, we, we have a brain and we can, we're limited to what we learn, you know, we, we only know what we know and um, and, uh, you know, depending on funding and what we have financially to, to have the capabilities to, to research things, um, that puts another yep. on, on it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, with what's going on right now, um, I mean, you know, you would hope that there would be some sort of vaccine sooner rather than later, but then you think about it and go, well, it, it's going to mutate and then you have to get another vaccine or, you know, we don't know anything about this virus, um, especially me. I'm not a doctor. I have friends that are chronic disease physicians that when I talk to them and they, you know, they're just like me, they're like, we only know what we know. Um, and, you know, it's kind of trial and error. It, a lot of stuff in medicine is trial and error and statistics and, um, you know, just, putting things you have to test things i mean that's really how you and that that all takes time and unfortunately that also um sadly is lives are lost and bad things happen but over the course of time you you find ways to try and contain um a virus or you know like i said get the vaccination for it but you know it's a process and with everything that's happening right now um you know, science doesn't lie, and a lot of people necessarily. Uh, some people don't believe it, and and that's their right, and it is what it is, and it's unfortunate for the rest of the people that will suffer because of that. But it is real; people are dying, and um, you know, it. You got to try and. I always say this, man, and um, it's my best analogy is because um, I do a lot of mm-hmm. work on houses, <laughs> my houses and stuff, and. And, you know, I was doing some gas line work and I thought, well, I was putting in the shutoff valve. And when you put on the valve, it 
shuts off the gas mm-hmm. going through the pipe, right? And putting on a mask is kind of like your shutoff valve. And, um, or putting a lid on a jar to keep something in it, you mm-hmm. put a lid on it, right? Well, when you don't wear a mask, um, you're not putting closing the valve and you're not putting a lid on it and you're susceptible to spreading it or getting it. And um, by wearing masks, um, you're you're doing that's the one thing you can do right now to try and put a lid on something and contain it um and if you don't do that um you're not helping and um and it like i said it is a real thing uh and i don't care it's not even about politics it's a it's a scientific fact that it's a virus and it's killing people and doctors will tell you and uh that that you should wear a mask um and and try and uh contain it um at least by time until they can create or come yep. up with a vaccine um or a solution to the problem but a lot of people don't want to do that and i'm not here to preach to them and that's their right because we are all americans and we live in america and all that other stuff but um you know i listen to to what they're telling me to do and i i don't wear one outside if i don't have to because we don't have to but anytime i'm indoors anywhere around a group of people i always have one. Yep. i always do and it, you know, it does, it's just like, why not? You know, why, why yeah. even take the chance? You know, I'm sure if the thousands of people that have died could come back and tell you it was real and tell you it was their, their story, maybe it would change the minds of people, but guess what? They can't, they're dead and they're dead because of a virus and the virus is fucking real. <laughs> like, yeah. And I just want to circle back. I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, not to mix metaphors with the, uh, shut off valve metaphor. Actually, um, that really encapsulates what, mask wearing versus not mask wearing um is i think well yeah what happens if you have a gas leak right you you can you can die of uh carbon monoxide poisoning right or your house can blow up and it's the same thing like wear a fucking mask yeah stop the leaking all right so take things in a different direction now uh going back to the home renovation stuff that you're working on you know it's kind of funny because uh, Dune Road as a, as a company, we're moving into a new headquarters slash house um, out in Amagansett. And one of the things that I've got to do once we move in is redo the floors. You know, they're they're old heritage pine, but they need to be sanded down. And, uh, you know, I know back in 2017, you redid the floors at the lake house. You know, it's, uh, saw the post on Insta and was immediately kind of drawn to because I'm like, shoot, like that's, that's what I got to look forward to. So, uh, you know, at least for my own benefit, but tell us about that. Oh man. Okay. So when I bought the place, um, one of the first things I did is I came in with my folks and I, I said, all right, I said, I got to lift up the corner of this carpet because I have a feeling there's wood floors underneath here. And by God, if these floors are covered up with this fucking carpet, I am ripping it out. The first thing I do when I buy this place and sure shit, I pulled up the corner and there was wood. I said, all right, I'm redoing it. Spent like a week just trying to get as much of the carpet glue and the carpet off as I could. And even then, um, I, I spent a few hundred dollars on sandpaper cause you'd make like three passes going across the floor and then it would be so gunked up with glue and shit that you'd have to change the sandpaper. It was, it was tedious, like time consuming work that I didn't like doing. But then when it was done, you know, after they were sanded, I polyed the shit out of them and you did it with a squeegee, you know, and you're trying to floors aren't level, right? When the house is yeah. built in 1938 and everything else. Yeah. You're trying to squeegee it, and you also have you have puddles of of poly in 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 places yep. where the floor is not level, and you're trying to squeegee. And it was just like, oh my god! But I got it done. It was just a lot of work, and it, it was really great, and they came out perfect. I mean, back then when they when they built things, they kind of just used whatever yep. they had, right? So my floors are 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 cedar. Um, maple pine there's everything uh that you can imagine on my floor and it looks beautiful i mean they came out really good even though i trashed them a little bit um doing the renovations i was doing uh this past spring and into early summer um with with all my demo work i didn't really protect my floor now i have to redo some of them but that oh man it's always something um what's your favorite thing to do in a home rental project Ah oh, man, you know, not demolition work. I hate it. I'll, I I hate it with a passion. There's nothing worse than just tearing shit down and pulling yep. out of walls for hours. Um, <laughs> seriously, and just the mess. Um, no, you know, you know, in all honesty, I, I like. I think probably I just love doing carpentry work. Um, I love doing the woodwork and just. Uh, I love having a vision and just seeing it, and then the the whole fulfillment of it is is having a, a creative thought and bringing it to life, and then enjoying it when it's 
it's done and seeing what you've created. Um, and I don't like to use blueprints. Um, I never really come up with a plan. I just fly by the seat of my pants. I have an idea in my head yep. and I just get after it. And, you know, so for me, I, I, I would have to say the woodwork, just carpentry. I love doing carpentry and, um, yeah. And I, I, I also like bringing old furniture and things to life if I can, you know, with a little TLC and, um, sandpaper and whatever else I want to use to fix it or make it a little different, you know? So like engineering stuff, like taking a, an old wagon and redoing it and installing lights in it and, and hanging it as a light fixture or something. Oh, that's super neat. Yeah, man. That's fun. All right, man. So keeping with the home renovation line of questions, what is the one tool in your toolbox, your garage, whatever that like, let's say, you know, an angry ex shows up and just like trashes the place and breaks everything. What is the one thing that you wish you just wouldn't touch? Oh my God, that's tough, man. I, I need all my tools. <laughs> um, you know, it, I guess it depends on, uh, on what I'm doing, but I, I mean, I suppose I could go without my, my, um, air compressor and my nail gun because right. I can use a hammer, but probably, probably my, either my table saw or my chop saw. Cause I, I mean, I'm cutting shit all day long, you know, and hanging it and doing stuff and you can't really get much yep. about that. So, um, probably one of those, sorry, I can give you one, but. All right. And so pivoting off of, uh, you know, the larger construction and creative projects, uh, related to home renovation, let's pivot into something a little more, uh, closer to your heart, let's say. And, uh, that's the jewelry business, um, Arco, which we, you know, feel strongly about and definitely want to promote, you know, we're all about, um, this new style of just like solo or small company entrepreneurs out there just making killer kick-ass product and, you know, competing on, on the world stage. Right. And so, um, you know, as a bit of background, like my family comes from uh, from India, and so for us, jewelry, especially gold jewelry, is a big thing. And so it's uh, something really interesting to me, and I want to learn more about you know your process and uh, how you got started. I can tell you a funny story, man. It's going to kind of yeah. be interesting. Um, well, first, my ex girlfriend was from oh, Sri Lanka. I mean, she grew up in London, but she, yep. she was Sri Lankan. So um, yeah, so she loved yep. jewelry, right? And um, and she had great taste, and it was really cool, and she wore some really badass stuff. Well, um, I was uh, I was home over Christmas, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna okay. make her a ring. I just feel like, cause like I'm the creative. I can't just sit still. I always need to be building. I always need to be creating and doing. Like I'm not the person that could just sit there and watch fucking yep. movie. I need to do something. And um, so I was, like, I'm gonna go out in the garage and get some fucking, you know, get a torch, get some metal, like bend some shit, solder some shit, and, like play around and and try and make a ring for her and um i ended up making a ring and i came home after christmas break back to new york and i gave it to her and she was like this is amazing and i was like oh get out of here it is not like what the fuck i was just you know she's like no like luke you don't understand she's like this is really amazing and you need to sell it and i was like i'm not selling it this is a one-time deal this is just for you i love you i just wanted to make you a ring um you know i was i was sitting around nothing to do and she's like okay well you know and she was She's a very successful creative director. She's super good at what she does. She knows like she worked for some really high profile brands in like fashion and stuff and she knew her shit, right? So um, when we ended up breaking up, I was like, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll try and sell some stuff and just see, you know, I'll listen to her and see how it goes. And um, I ended up just throwing some stuff on Instagram and people wanted it. And I was like, well, this is kind of cool because I love doing it. It is a hobby. And if people want it, well, then I should give it to them, right? Um, and so I just started creating and I just started working and working and creating. And then it just kind of grew. And I was like, well, I need to make a website and I need to get an LLC and I need to create a brand and a business. And um, yeah, and then, you know, I, I modeled for years. So I, I knew fashion and um, I always felt like you know, I'd walk around Brooklyn and I'm like, oh man, people, they call them hipsters or whatever. And I'd be like, I guess I'm a hipster, but I'm really not. I'm just a Northern Minnesota kid that just dresses like I'm still in Northern Minnesota, you know? Um, and I would always get like comments on my, what, how I would dress and what I would wear. And I was like, well, maybe I should sell this shit. Maybe I should like, you know, have it be part of my brand because the brand itself kind of encompasses mm -hmm. me as a person and where I'm from and the experiences of my life. And, um, and I just thought, well, I want a brand that, is luxurious but also rustic i want a guy to be able to split wood in it but yet 
put a blazer on over a Henley and go out yeah. in New York city. Um, and I, you know, I want a girl to be able to put on a shirt and go out with her girls and a pair of heels and jeans or just sit on the couch with a pair of sweats and that same shirt. You know, I want it to be universal, um, and kind of do more than one thing. That's why I like like the Renaissance man or woman. Um, for me, I like to do more than one thing and I want the brand to encompass that. Um, and, and kind of be for everybody, not just someone. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I just kind of, my mind was racing and I just created the brand and started doing the jewelry and created a line of clothing. And, um, yeah. And then, uh, I was sitting around, I'm like, you know, I love candles and I was like, I'd really like to start making candles. And so I started making candles and I was like, why don't I start making them for the brand? And I, so I started hand pouring candles and now I have candles with the brand and I'm in the process of working on a cologne and a perfume, a fragrance for the brand. So, um, there's a lot going on. I have a lot, yeah. a lot of irons in the fire. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so I make maple syrup and, uh, you know, a lot of people were commenting saying, you know, Luke, we would like to have your maple syrup and people would message me and I'm like, well, fuck, I don't, you know, it takes two gallons of, of maple water to make one third yeah. cup of syrup and I'm like, I've got enough for me and my family and friends, right? But I'm like, I don't have enough to mass produce because I just started, yeah. I started late in the season and um, I would have to talk to the FDA yeah. and get all that taken care of, which which I would. So now... I'm in the process of, of working out a way so that next spring I have maple syrup as part of the brand too. We're going to get that. Cause I want to give it to people if they want it, I want to give it to them. It's fucking phenomenal. It tastes so good. Um, and I want to get, you know, like I said, I want to give people what they want. And, um, so I'm working on that. And then there's also, uh, God, I'm telling you everything. Um, there's a, um, I'm also, people are commenting about my furniture cause I, I, I may do a lot of like, um, rustic, uh, furniture that I make for like my cabin or, you know, for people in general, like my family and stuff, and they've seen it and they want it. So I'm also working on a furniture line for the brand. So there's a lot going on. Um, but, but, but so it's jewelry, clothes, candles, fragrance, maple syrup and furniture. So there's, there's a lot, but, uh, it's just a lot of work and I'm a one man wrecking crew. So, um, yeah, it's just me. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I don't have a big team or anything. So, no, man. Yeah. Like this is something I really wanted to showcase and highlight right about you. Cause I don't think it's covered enough. It's really easy to say, Oh, you know, Luke LeBronson. Yeah. Like Ford model traveled the world, um, you know, on this other TV show, uh, acts does film stuff like that. And those are things that are super kind of media friendly, right. And, and they're easy to write about and easy to cover, but there's this whole other side of you that we're learning, I guess, over the course of this podcast and hearing from you and your story, right. And like the clear sense of hustle and, uh, you know, just that, that get after its spirit that, um, you know, I personally really admire. And, uh, you know, I can tell there's a, there's a lot of people out there who admire it too. Right. And who would just be like, well, look, even if he didn't do all that, he'd still be really impressive, but he's not resting on his laurels. This guy's out there doing stuff, trying to create new value every day. It seems like, and you know, that's just super impressive. And we just gotta, you know, give you props for that. And like, it's, I'm sure a lot of people are learning new things about you in terms of that. And, just adds to, to everything, you know? Well, I appreciate that. I, I, I'm extreme. Well, first off, thank you. That's very kind to say, but I'm also modest. So I'm embarrassed, <laughs> but, um, I, um, I, you know, for me modeling, um, I'll tell you right now, I'm extremely thankful for it. Um, I love it. I love the, love the people I work with and the, the traveling and the cool things I've been able to do. And, um, it's been very good to me, but you know, for me, it's not who I am. It's a job. Uh, you know, and, uh, I feel like there's a lot of people in the industry that are like me, that there's more to them than just modeling. They yeah. just happen to model, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, uh, and that's, that's great. You know, not, there are a lot of people that love it though, too. And that's fine. That's their thing, but that's never been my jam. I've always just been the guy that loves to show up, give them what they need for pictures, have fun with everybody, make friends and make the most of it and get a paycheck. And yeah, yeah, no, for sure, man. Um, and tell me this, um, obviously modeling comes with its sick parties and events and all that stuff, but bringing it back to one of your other interests, hockey, isn't it true that at a, a party you were at way back in the day, you got to meet Hendrik Lundqvist and Brendan Shanahan? Uh, yeah, I did. 
I did. Yeah. Nice guy. Super nice guy. You know, hockey yeah. player. So, uh, any, any, any hockey players that you meet where it's a tight, tight community and good guys. So, yeah. And pivoting from, uh, you know, from, from hockey to, to celebs in general. And, you know, there's actually an interesting kind of connection here. So for you, obviously, you know, Summerhouse and just being out of the Hamptons has been a big booster to your, uh, public profile, you know, and, and of course, you know, with the Hamptons, the number one celeb, um, promoter of things, uh, philanthropist especially, and general brand representative is uh, Christy Brinkley, right? Legendary model. And uh, her career also was uh, primarily at Ford. Beautiful model. Yeah, she's beautiful. And I mean, her modeling career, yeah. I believe. That's awesome. Yeah, Ford. Ford's great. They were so good. I mean, I, I honestly, I was talking to my old booker from Ford the other day, and I think he's he's the head of all of Ford now. And uh, what a wonderful human being. And man, I used to go in there. I had a friend. Um, his name was Bob Strand, and he was the head of accounting there. And we would, uh, I'd go in there on Fridays, man, at like four o'clock, and they'd shut down, you know, around five. And I'd go in there at four or three thirty, and I'd bring a six pack of beer, and we'd sit and talk about NASCAR and drink beer. He is my buddy, man. I miss him. He's actually from Hicksville. Yeah, I, I used to go out there and visit him and his family and sit by the pool and drink beer with them but yeah we'd go i'd go into the ford office with beer and yeah it was great man we'd just sit back there and talk about like i it was just such a i was there for so long um that i just became like they everybody was family you know um yeah and i mean you got to travel to like a bunch of sick places right and uh do shoots and exotic locations uh you know your first international trip um i guess it's still international pretty local but the uh, bvi is that right yeah, yeah, that was right before I signed with Ford. Um, I did Abercrombie in the British Virgin Islands, and it was it was beautiful, man. It was a great trip, great experience. Uh, I worked with an amazing team down there, John Urbano, um, great photographer, uh, videographer. Yeah, he kind of got me my start with Abercrombie, and then of course I shot with Bruce Weber and did all that. I shot Abercrombie a couple times, um, but John was great. Yeah, and then my first gig with um, I booked with Ford uh, was one of my first castings. I went on there like, all right, hope you have a passport you're going to do that and I was like what okay I guess I need one of those so um, within like four days I was on a plane to China doing some stuff for Izod and Lacoste and that was it dude that's wild and keeping with the uh, the early days but this one's a music video what can you tell us about being blindfolded and serenaded? <laughs> That's actually fucking funny, man. So uh, a good friend of mine um, named Clarence Fuller, uh, great guy. Um, he was like, hey, man, I'm doing this music video with Nicole Ulrich. And I think Nicole had done a lot with Lady Gaga and is really good friends with Lady Gaga. And he was like, you know, I'd, we're doing this music video for JoJo. And, and I was wondering if he'd be interested. And, you know, I'm like, well, shit, I don't really do a lot of music videos. But, you know, I'm definitely interested because I'd love to work with Nicole and it'd be cool, you know, fun to work with Joe yep. or whatever, you know? Um, and, uh, so yeah, I ended up doing it and, um, it was fun. I mean, it was a cool experience. It was a long fucking day, um, which is fine, but it was a long day. And, um, I mean, it's, it, if anything, it's, it's been great to see the reactions people get when they see that or realize it's me in that video. Um, and it was nice meeting Nicole, like, you know, Jojo and Nicole and, uh, they're really cool and everything was fine and whatever, you know, so it's cool. But, um, it's one of those things where, like I said, it's, I'm, I'm glad I, I did it cause it's, it's fun to, uh, look back at it and get laugh. that's funny man and you know speaking of comedy you've actually been uh pretty up close and contributing to uh one of our favorite comedy shows um we'll let you explain but uh what's the connection with bud light lime yeah, I was just doing some work with John Oliver on HBO, and uh, that was funny. Yeah, I was just working with John, and um, yeah, what a great guy, man. That guy is so funny and really genuinely nice. Um, I there, the you know, every time I've worked with HBO, I want to because I know John's amazing, but I always their productions are always so well. The the people, the teams are are so well put together, and they operate so well that it's it's always a pleasure and a great experience working with them. Um, and uh, that was just it working with john was awesome and uh everything the people were great he was great and yeah it was just fun man and then um yeah all right so to give people some context into what we're talking about here and i'll pull the episode number and a link to the youtube video and post it in the show notes so you guys can check this out but but so basically you know um despite being you know based in america john oliver very much english so definitely cares about two things right soccer or what they call football and beer 
So he did a story, or maybe it was a segment. I'll pull that episode too. But about the corruption in FIFA, um, the guys that put on you know the World Cup and are the general regulatory body for uh, for soccer worldwide, right? And so it was run by this guy called Sepp Blatter, who you know people really didn't like um, and was accused of all kinds of corruption and whatnot. Um, and so John Oliver was like, look, you know what? If if FIFA gets rid of Sepp Blatter and like does an actual investigation and, and really works to like root out you know, all these issues, uh, I will drink a Bud Light Lime on air and say that it's delicious. And it's funny because like being an English guy, uh, I'm sure he's very particular about his beers. So John Oliver, you know, might not like Bud Light Lime. And I guess it's an easy target to clown on. Right. So uh, lo and behold, eventually, uh, Sub Blatter was ousted from FIFA. And John Oliver, being an upstanding guy and a man of his word, um, you know, did a segment where he, in fact, uh, well, Luke, I'll let you explain. Yeah, we just did this. We just threw like this like beach theme party on set. And um, we, we were just, I was just basically bartending for him and basically gave him a Bud Light Lime and he drank the Bud Light Lime and it was uh, just an on-set party for everybody and um, it was just it was actually fun it was just fun. well hang on he didn't just drink the Bud Light Lime didn't he he took that whole bottle down in a single pull right isn't that right yeah 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 yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying is like, that dude's older than both of us. Like, I don't think I could do that right now. College, for sure. Nowadays, you kidding me? That's, uh, when's the last time you <laughs> tried something like that? Yeah, man, you know, um, it's definitely been a long time. Um, but I do have, there is a video of me that I have. I mean, it's not anywhere. Nobody can get it, but I, I can, I can. I can put down a Guinness in less than three seconds. Wait, what? That's insane. With like a funnel or? No, just in a, just straight up in a glass. My buddy, a good friend of mine, he's a musician named Ryan Coning. You should check out his music. He's, he's a really talented guy. Also a model. We model Brooks Brothers together. and He just graduated from Columbia with a degree in IT, which is awesome. He's also an ex-military guy. He's a, he's a smart guy. I mean, just goes to show you not every model is just right. a model, right? <laughs> um, but he... Um, him, he, we had this thing. We were, we were roommates, and we had this thing where we. He was like, "I can put down this Guinness," and I was like, "No way!" And I was like, "Well, fuck! I might as well try that because I love Guinness." And yeah, we both can put down a Guinness in less than three seconds. It's kind of like we'll do it at a party, very rarely, but we. Huh. That's hilarious, man. And uh, yeah, it's definitely something we don't have in common. I almost assuredly could not put down a Guinness in three seconds. But one thing we do have in common, and I think a lot of people out east also share a love for, it, is motorcycles. And obviously, on the show, you had that bike. You were taking around the Hamptons and we're wondering I guess in Minnesota it must be great riding out there what do you have in the garage uh back in Gilbert uh I only have two bikes right now I I told myself I was gonna buy an, a bike every year and create a huge collection well then I decided to buy properties and get in yep. start investing money and doing that so that I put the kibosh on that <laughs> which is okay um there's plenty of times to buy motorcycles and to be honest with you um I love bikes absolutely love 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 bikes but um i'm so content with the bikes i have and and in all honesty i'm so busy like renovating and running a business i've i've literally i've ridden my bikes for i bet you i put on 30 miles in three months they're just collecting dust but they're like my babies i love my bikes and uh you know, I've, I, I've, I love working on them. I love making them very custom the way I want them. I like old school. I like loud. I like mean, I like, you know, raw, like one of my bikes doesn't even have blinkers. I just have my hand signature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, it's like my bar hopper, my, my little bobber, my Springer, it's a sick bike. And then my other bike, my night train is, uh, that that's just a loud, fast ground pounding, low riding, like badass machine um that i love and i i really like old bikes like i love yep. old harleys man so um my next thing will probably be to get like an old pan head or something like that and um redo it or rebuild it but first i'm i'm working on renovating my my home and putting a new addition and a garage on and i'm looking at buying another product <laughs> yeah but i love bikes i absolutely love them man and it's good to hear that you like to ride it doesn't matter what you're on two wheels is two wheels and i always respect everybody i mean i'm a diehard harley guy but um two wheels is two wheels and i and i always i'll ride with anybody yeah and we should definitely go on a ride next time you're uh, out in the hamptons there's uh, there's some roads out there that are just you know mind-blowing old montauk highway is one of them with the uh, elevation changes it's like a roller coaster basically with a, a scenic view off the right hand side to make it even more dangerous i I guess but uh yeah no it's it's a great place to be on two wheels ma'am well i would love to do that um i have to figure out next time i'm ever gonna be out there yeah man fully i bet like stuff's super uncertain right now but yeah offer's always good man 
But shifting gears for a second, let's take it back down to another topic of uh, personal interest. And so we know from our uh, our deep intel sources that your mother is actually an amazing baker and is always baking like just cinnamon rolls and, and other goodies, right, that, you know, are probably irresistible. So the, the thing that everyone's got to be wondering is, you know, we thought models can't have carbs. How does Luke Lebronson have abs eating, you know, what's got to be like high caloric uh, baked goods from mom? <laughs> Yeah, man. You know what? I, I, I've been, I, I, I'm just trying to get back into it because I took so much time off while I was renovating. I wasn't working out at all. I, was, I had yeah. shit done, you know? Uh, but I, uh, you know, man, uh, it's just, I work out yeah. hard and, um, yeah. And I don't diet. I don't believe in dieting. I always said there's three things in life that you should enjoy and that's yeah. sex and sleep. You don't, you don't want to sell yourself short on For sure. those three. <laughs> that's my, yeah, I've never dieted in my life. I don't, I don't believe in it. I'd rather go run five, six miles and eat the cake and the ice cream and shit. Cause I, no, yeah, dude, man. <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. I, uh, I might envy the metabolism, but the, the work ethic, uh, obviously, yeah, it's just so real. Um, let's go back onto a topic, um, from your childhood and what can you tell us about, uh, cliff jumping at the mine pits in Genoa? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. We, uh, you know, just as kids, like, you know, I don't know, I don't know how it is like growing up out on the island, but I imagine like in the Hamptons, you just, you just oh, yeah. find shit to do. Like you just go surfing, you ride your bike, you go play baseball, like, and growing up in a small town, it was like, we ride four wheelers, we rollerblade, yep. we play hockey, we play tennis, yep. just do shit. Like, um, and we have the old mine pits here and they fill up with water. So they're like in the middle of the woods and there's just like cliffs and you they're crystal clear water like the ocean and we just go out there and jump off cliffs <laughs> and like um you know you can jump from 10 to like 90 feet and there's an island you can swim out to in one of them and we'd swim out to the island and play guitar and hang out and just jump off the cliffs and sit in the sun all day and you know when you're like in seventh grade or eighth grade you you know somebody would steal a beer from their dad <laughs> you know it was just that. And um, yeah, it was just fun. And then we'd camp out there. We'd set up tents and camp. It was fun. But, you know, somebody ended up getting killed out there. So a few years back and uh, you can't really do it anymore. Um, I'm getting yeah. a little too old for it. But even in my old age, I did enjoy going back there and jumping every now and then. Uh, more, Not so much for myself, but if I had friends visiting, they'd kind of get a kick out of it. Yeah, no, I love hearing stories like that, um, you know, from folks' childhoods and whatnot. And just because... You know, one of the things we like to do on here is really get into the backgrounds of folks because what Instagram and the media and, you know, everything else might tell you about a person, oh, you know, model, TV star, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also this like person behind all that. And hearing those moments in the childhood, I feel like is just such a lens. It's like a deeper perspective. Yeah, man. Your product, your product of your environment, brother. And, uh, you know, I, I am who I am and I'm, I'm always going to be, be that I've never lost track of where I'm from and, and, and it's ingrained in me, but it's, it's just because I spent my whole life here yeah. in a small town, you know, <laughs> it's what we do. And, um, even though I live in New York, which I think is the greatest city in the world, um, who I yeah. have never left me, it's, it's always been there. And sometimes I struggle with being in New York because I miss home, but I also love New York. Yeah. And so speaking of New York, you know, obviously modeling was your first foray into business out here, but we hear that, you know, upcoming in your future, you've got some projects in uh, film and TV with respect to writing, you know, and producing. We have that right. Yeah, dude, I'm doing everything. <laughs> um, well, you know, so you know, I did like the whole modeling and acting thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of models that do that. Uh, you know, the pretty face on TV, right? But for me, it wasn't. It wasn't about. I didn't think, oh, because I'm a model, I can just show up and be on TV and people are going to love watching me on TV. That's not how it works. Um, you know, I guess maybe it can, but then you suck as an actor. Um, and for me, uh, personally, I was, you know, it was something that I enjoyed doing. Like, I love mm -hmm. putting in the work and learning about acting and developing, you know, a character and um, being able to actually live in a moment and, and really be someone or something other than myself. Um, and that's not easy to do. That's the thing. It's really not. And it takes... Um, I always tell people, if you can do anything else and then you want to do something else with your life, do it. Don't act because it's just, it's a tough industry. You know, you don't have a pot to piss in half the time and it's, it's very frustrating, but if you love it, 
don't stop doing it. Just do it. You know what I mean? If you absolutely love it because you should always do what you love. And for me, I, I love doing it. And, um, you know, I, it was always like, I'd come close to some really big roles and things that, that you've seen on TV and movies you've seen. And it was like, God damn, I get frustrated. Um, and it was just, you know, kind of a matter of time. And then, uh, you know, things, I had bits and pieces and things come up and, um, management changes and there's all types of stuff that comes at you, but it builds character in you and allows you to appreciate things when it does happen, um, as well. Um, but for me, uh, you know, even now that I'm older, um, I feel like it's still a process. I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, doing things and working on my career and I'm very thankful for it. And, um, I love it. I, I still study. I mean, I'll study acting probably the rest of my life. And so just to give folks sort of a view into how you get started in acting, I'm assuming you, uh, you know, you worked with coaches and schools and whatnot. Is that right? Um, I've worked with some amazing coaches that have gotten me to the point where I'm at and yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. It's, it's definitely been a great experience and, um, you know, working with other great actors, I'm working, um, a good friend of mine, uh, his name's Ari Kapatos. Um, he did three seasons of the juice on HBO. We met in acting school together. Um, and him and I are working on, producing a feature film right now called bone ridge um it's something we started about two and a half years ago and i don't know if you're familiar with with the film industry and making a movie but oh, yeah. it takes a long time to make a movie <laughs> it like 10 oh. years down the road you know um and we've we've gotten to a point where uh i mean the story scores scored very high on the blacklist um and that's that's basically a rating system for scripts where you're scored on on how yep. good it is, um, and score highly. It's it's great. Um, and we, we you know it, it really what it comes down to is financing. And we're at a point now where we're just mm -hmm. dealing with financing. We're ready to go. We just need yep. we need the financing. So that's all we're doing. The story's good. We have you know uh, actors that want to be a part of it um there's letters of intent that have been signed from people like we're in a really good place uh we've got our budget we have every, everything we need to do we're just working on financing and then the rest kind of comes with it so um yeah we're working on that it's a great story and then uh you know most recently um you know as an actor i just worked on some stuff with hbo with kaylee cuoco on a new show cool. called the flight attendant um yeah, which is awesome, man. Uh, talk about a great actress and a great experience for me. Just to be on that set and to be working with her, um, you know, she's so I, like seasoned in in the craft. And you know, I mean, with the Big Bang Theory and everything she's done, just working yeah. every day, right? Like for her showing up and just working with her, it's like it's like right. walking, right? Because she just does. And um, it was so fun to work with her, and I learned a lot just from her. Um, as an actor, um, just, just kind of watching how she did things and went about things. I mean, you know, you always need to be willing to learn, I feel like, uh, in the, in the industry. And I always try and take in as much as I can, um, and from everyone. And, you know, uh, it was just fun working with her, man. And, and just, it was just a great experience in the, in the, the, um, once again, HBO, <laughs> their, uh, their team, you know, um, the whole team uh, from the director to cinematographer, you know, or I should say DP, everybody was, uh, they were all so good to me. Um, and uh, it was a really fun experience. So, but yeah, that was the most recent thing that, and then I'm working on a film right now with my buddy Ari as well, um, which a short film, but a really cool short film called Bird Dog that we were supposed to film here now in July, but because of COVID, we decided to put it off until maybe September Mm -hmm. how things are going and we're going to end up filming in upstate oh, cool. new york we've got a really good team it's going to be an awesome short and it's fun because it's cool because everybody is like their resumes are very good um they have very, really good resumes and it's for them it's they're just like we love this story we just want to do it and i was like all right cool let's get after it so it's going to be a lot of fun we're all going to get together and make a really cool short and it's gonna be a lot of fun um yeah yeah it sounds like we're gonna have to have you back on you know before uh all the stuff is ready to release so we can uh help promote it and have you talk more in depth about it for sure all right let's take a hard left turn into random right now and uh so on your Instagram, we've seen people randomly commenting the pear emoji like multiple times, like multiple people. Seems like super weird. Uh, there's probably a story behind that. What's all that about? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, that's all Hannah and Paige. I, uh, 
I have, I was just like one day on my Instagram, I literally just had all these pairs and I was, I'm like, what the, what is going on, man? Like what the actual fuck yeah. is going on? And, um, and Hannah and, and Paige like told their like gigglers and their giggly squad podcast to, to do it or something. And it was funny because like they did it and I just got bombed with all these pairs and I didn't know what it meant. And to this day, I still don't really get it. I'm just, somebody's like, it has to do with Paige's boyfriend. I'm like, why would, why a pair though? Like if, if a pair's for Perry, Paige's boyfriend, like you should give me a different emoji. So now all these people give me, the, give me the, the bear emoji. So, yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, in a strange kind of twisted sense of Instagram logic, that uh, that definitely <laughs> kind of makes sense. Uh, maybe I'll have to have Hannah and Paige on to uh, clarify further and maybe get you a different emoji. But uh, yeah, and so there's something I wanted to cover before we wrap. And it's honestly, I think some of the most essential content out there is that there's a lot of folks right now who are thinking about entrepreneurship and starting their own businesses because COVID is essentially kind of chop block careers and whatnot. And, uh, you know, with you just starting Arco and creating, you know, obviously, we know that, you know, your your great grandpa, I think was a blacksmith, right? And so like that whole vibe kind of runs in your family, but just even starting a business and, and, and getting after it, like, can you speak on, you know, your inspirations and, you know, how that all really came about? You know, in all honesty, it, it came down to like me just personally i just was i just wanted to make a ring and then i got creative with it and it was like well i'm gonna make other rings and i just had visions of how to do it and what designs i wanted to create and i started doing it but um with the process it was it was kind of like hit or miss like you just have to play around and and find find your way of of doing things i should say you're gonna make mistakes and and stuff along the way but for me, I just began to love, I just started loving doing it. And then my mom was like, did you know that your great grandpa was a blacksmith? And I'm like, no. She's like, yeah, grandpa Matt. And I'm like, oh, no shit. Okay, cool. And then it just, it was something that found me. I didn't find it really. Um, and that's kind of been how my life is with a lot of the stuff I do. Uh, but but it was like, it was something I wasn't aware that was almost within me. Yeah, within my family already doing it um and it's just kind of been a blessing and i don't know i never thought i'd be doing metal work or the stuff i do i didn't think my life was i was going to be a doctor right and i'll like, yep. like do like all this other shit so yeah no man and that's like so often the case with a lot of the stories that we hear from entrepreneurs right it's like it's a lot of chance and just trying a bunch of stuff and seeing what works and uh you know never really quit and just continuing to get after it and you know value kind of finds you if you just you know try hard enough and work hard um and that's a super compelling story that i think folks want to connect with and and hear more about so you know on that topic where can people find arco online how can they um purchase you know ask you questions about it get in touch etc yeah, so you can find any of my products for Arco are on Arco Shop, which is rcoshop.com. I post on my Instagram, which is ranger3 underscores co. So I post some stuff on there. But yeah, it's just arcoshop.com. I recently have on the website made it so people can purchase things in gold. I can also make silver, just so people know it's not on my website, but a lot of people ask me. And I've actually just got done making a woman a, a bracelet and a ring in silver, so... Yeah, so so if anybody wants to find something, they can find it there and just know that silver is an option and gold is now an option on the website. Yeah, man, and that's super cool to hear about, especially the way in which you uh, you know customize and do stuff directly for customer needs. It's pretty amazing. And honestly, folks, head over to rcoshop.com. Check out the collection. It is something to behold. And uh, yeah, Luke, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show learning more about you, your craft, and getting your perspective on things. It's been really educative, I know, for me, but I'm sure for the folks listening at home as well. So we're definitely going to have you back on closer to the release date of these projects to, to share more about them when you can. I'm sure folks are super curious, and you know, I hope we uh, have built up a nice hype. And uh, yeah, so I guess before we wrap, Luke, um, any final thoughts? You know, we're, we're dealing with COVID right now, and I always just like to thank you know, all the healthcare professionals, I should say yeah. essential workers, everybody that's out there working hard and, and putting themselves at risk, but doing it because life still needs to happen. Yeah. Um, I always like to say thank you for everything and um, just know that 
from myself and I would hope the majority of the world, we appreciate everything you do. Um, and, uh, and also I always like to say, uh, tip my hat and a, a special thanks to all the military men and women out there who serve. Uh, thank you for everything that you do. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I think that's yeah. important. All right, guys. And there you have it. My conversation with Luke LeBronson on the Out East Vibes podcast presented by Dune Road Lifestyle. For more, head over to www.duneroadlifestyle.com forward slash vibes. And you can check out the show notes for this episode, including all the relevant links to the references that we made. And uh, yeah, a whole bunch of other cool stuff. So uh, yeah, check it out. Thanks for listening. And until next time, it's Rex Chatterjee for Dune Road Lifestyle on the Audi's Fabs podcast. Peace.